Hello, welcome to uh, Post-Exertional Mayonnaise Podcast. I'm joined by uh, Ash today. Ash is in Yorkshire in England. Yep. So it's, um, sorry? It's at Sheffield, yeah. yeah. Sheffield, um, England. And Sheffield. Um, so it's really good to have you on, Ash. Um, really appreciate you coming. Um, oh, do you want pleasure. to tell us a bit about your ME sort of chronic illness journey and a little bit about how grief has played a part in that for you? Yeah. Um, so my, my chronic illness uh, journey started when I was uh, 1920-ish. Um, up until that point, I'd been fairly, you know, I'd just been a normal uh, teenager. I'd just finished um, and I was sort of moving on towards, you know, like an actual job career. And uh, I got a, a really bad virus um, close to Christmas at some point. And I remember it really like knocked me on, knocked me out my feet. Um, and it took me uh, like two weeks to sort of sort of recover from that. But I was recovering from that. And then maybe less than a week after that, I was just in my, uh, I think I was in my bathroom, and it was like around nine o'clock. Um, and I just felt my heart rate go absolutely crazy. Um, like it, my heart rate. I don't know what it was because I, you know, monitor those things in those days. Uh, but I, it was like really bad, and I just felt this wrong, like you know, physically. Um, and I remember going to bed at nine o'clock at night, which has never happened before. <laughs> and um, I bet my heart rate basically remained like that 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 entire night, and I was absolutely terrified. Uh, I remember just being under my blanket, just trying to lay as still as possible. Um, and the next day, eventually, like like twelve hours or so later, it sort of eased off. But I felt incredibly ill the next day, and I remember telling my mom about it, and she was obviously like, "Dude, if that happens again, obviously, you know, um, let us know and all that." And then just that second night, it happened again, and I went to hospital, um, which they. They, they found the really fast heart rate, but they couldn't find anything. Um, so I then went on a whole two years of like, um, discovery, trying to find out what that was. Um, getting told it was anxiety and uh, just, you know, they're taking my parents aside and having conversations with them. Um, but um, long story short is it took almost two years for me to by accident almost see a specialist who knew about POTS um, um, and because originally I was under a cardiologist and he, he did try very hard to find out what was wrong with me in fairness he was he was a good guy but he, he just couldn't find what was wrong with me and he went I want you to see um, a colleague of mine and I felt very dejected by that um, I felt like I was being passed on you know like it was just like another like they're not going to find anything uh, but Essentially, I, I, I went to see him and I actually saw a, a nurse under him. She got me to explain all my symptoms again, which I was, you know, I was about because it just seemed like we're going through it all, all over again. Yeah, you're repeating yourself constantly. Yeah. But um, she, after we'd done that, she was like, OK, well, doctor, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but she said he um, he thinks you've got this thing called POTS. And I, I was I, that came out of like that like, like hit me in a hammer between the eyes. I was like, "What?" And she she showed me on this site and all the all the list of symptoms that I just told her. She they were literally just on this website, and I was I was mm -hmm. absolutely amazed by that. 
to see him for a little bit and he explained and then i was get i was put on medication and i was educated and then basically over the next two years i sort of got quite a lot better um but my pots never went away like it, it sort of plateaued at a certain point um so after that point and this this was like maybe four years after it all happened I sort of lost I because I, um, I was in that very transitory period of my life at being 19 you know I'd lost pretty much all my friends at that point because they'd all gone off to uni and they'd, they'd um, you know got married or they met someone and moved away and stuff so I, I lived a very uh, very quiet life uh, I, I worked part I worked as a commission artist part-time from home I didn't go out very much because my physical um, disability even though it was only I, I'd say I was very mild about that and that sort of just remained like that for like 10 13 years ish um, you know and uh, my life wasn't super bad but I was very unfulfilled uh, very lonely like all my friends were mainly online um, although I had some really good online friends you know and I'm still friends with them like 15 years later um, and then well, I met my, um, I met what was now my fiance, uh, three years ago. And I, I only mentioned that really because it's kind of relevant to the, to the story. And, um, she's from New York city. So it was a, a it was a, you know, a long distance from the, um, and we, uh, we grew very, we fell very much in love very quite, quite quickly, to be honest. Uh, and she came to see me in York. And we had an amazing week together in, in York. Um, we went, you know, we walked the shambles and he walked. Mm -hmm. It was rough because, you know, my pots were still pretty bad and uh, I had to keep stopping and like, but I could walk around. I managed to do everything that I wanted to do, even though it, I had to do it sort of with, you know, adaption and like taking breaks and all that. And um, I remember after that, we, we, would, we were very determined after that, especially to make this work. And we were, you know, we um we were gonna we were gonna be together and that was we were just gonna make it work and then maybe t i think two months after that um i basically i i i still to this day don't know what happened um there was this is kind of like a long backstory which i don't know i'm not really sure that's relevant but um I come off. I come off some of the meds that I was. I was on for my parts. Uh, I was on an SSRI because I didn't want to be on that anymore. Um, and it, it it messed my stomach up. Um, and my doctor asked me to go back on it for a week to see if it was the SSRIs that were keeping my stomach uh, regular. And I did, and I had huge reactions to that. I, 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 I was very derealized and it was very strange. And I woke up in the middle of the night with my heart feeling like it was clenched. Um, and I thought I was on the hard. And ever since that day, I don't know why that triggered it. Um, I have now believed to be a me. Um, mm. To be fair, looking back, I think I might have had a me ever since I was 19, but it was just mild. Because I, always, mm. I used to go to a POTS clinic and I always had more fatigue and I was always more wiped out by things than a lot of the other pot, pot patients that I saw there. So I always, I think I probably did always have mild ME alongside my pots. Um, 
but from from like November two years ago, it's gonna be uh, the anniversary coming up. Um, I think well, I don't know if I developed any, but it it got significantly worse, and I went from well, I went to pretty pretty moderate, probably more severe ME. Um, and that was, yeah, a huge blow to my life, to say the least. Um, I've been basically bed-bound ever since then. I, I, I uh, spend about 24 hours in my, in my bedroom. Um, most of that's wow. in bed. Um, and, yeah, so... And it, I mentioned my fiance because um, a lot of the grief is tied to my situation with her. Um, hmm. Like I said before, I didn't have much in my life, and I had a lot of grief all those ten years, years that I just had parts. You know, of what could have been, at what should have been. Um, you know, the things lost, the the opportunities that I'll never get. Um, hmm. And I sort of become used to that. But then I met my fiance, and I actually had a lot of hope for once. Um, you know, we met, and we were very much in love. And she was a person. She, she was like one of those one in a million people you meet, where you just fall head over heels in love with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it was per- it was like love at first, not love at first sight, but you know, it it was along yeah, those yeah. lines. And I I'd actually allowed myself some hope that the future. You know, I actually I'd start to like I actually look towards the future, which I hadn't been really doing for a long time. Um, and then that all got snatched away, kind of. It almost felt like um, I had everything that I'd ever really wanted in the palm of my hands there in, in that visit in October, in, in York in October. Or, um, yeah, the ME just took that away almost. Um, and that was, that, that has been and still is extremely, extremely, um, you know, it's traumatic. Uh, and I, mm. I do actually think that there's been some level of, like, trauma uh, from this. And I, I see it. Mm. I talked to a therapist weekly, and I have done for a long time, uh, within these last two years. Because the actual level of um, just just the weight of all, everything that happened, the, the combined with the stress and the just, just the pressure of it all really does crush you. And um, mm. I think people often say that ME is like dying. It is, it, and I, I think that's very true. It's like a, it's a metaphorical death, obviously, but it's um, it's a death of a person that you're supposed to be placed by something else. And I feel like you can obviously still make a a very genuine and very um, happy life technically while still having me but it's very hard to let go of um you know the things that you've always wanted it's like giving up on your dreams in many ways and it's like it's like um hmm. having to settle to be a different person not the person you are and the grief for me with my me is is um i think there's two sort of sides to it there's the acute grief and then there's the everyday grief and i feel like the acute grief obviously is when mm. there's either an event or something that you're not capable of doing and you, you, it really hits you how much you've lost and how much physical function you've lost. And and then there's just those everyday mm. griefs that 
I smile things like, you know, you, you, you go to the bathroom and it takes you 20 minutes because you have to, you, you know, you have to sit down uh, in the bathroom for 10 minutes just to stop feeling dizzy. And you get that sort of feeling falls yeah. upon you that just what have I become? Like just what, what is my life? Like, you know, I can't even go to make a cup of tea when and if I want it. And I think it's the loss of freedom. I think freedom, it, it really is. It's 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 the loss of freedom, just the freedom to go for a walk if I want, just to, just to, uh, mm. just you know, just not to not think basically. Like, um, and I think that's something that's really hard to express to a lot of people, is that as a chronically mm. ill person, and and especially with ME in this regard, you've always got to have that sort of thought in the back of your head as in regards to your health. You can't just go and do something. You can't just be spontaneous. You can't be. Um, you can't just live freely like most people in the world do, um, or at least in mm. you know. You have to. There's always. Is this gonna? Is this gonna cost me? How much is it gonna cost me? Is it? Is the cost gonna be worth the effort? And that's that's an awful thing. And um, I think the biggest thing for me, and I've realised this. This, I've been sort of a bit down recently and um I realize it I had sort of a realization is that ME mars everything it, it makes everything not what it's supposed to be like I've I'm um mm. I'm like I mentioned I'm going to be getting married or hopefully I'll be getting married because my fiance is uh applied for a visa and she's uh it's a wedding visa so she's going to be coming to the UK mm. and we're going to be getting married and then she's going to come live here and so we've been sort of thinking about a wedding, which should be a hugely joyous, you know, time. It should be a, an amazing time. Mm. All I can sort of, all that keeps coming to in my head is, is how much is this going to make me ill, and how am I, you mm. know, the actual wedding? Am I, oh, long is it going to be? Am I going to be able to be okay? And, and that really hurts. It's like a punch in the stomach because that should be probably mm. one of the happiest days of my life. Um, yeah. And it's not what it should be. It, 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 it probably will still be a very joyous day, obviously. And, it, you know, we're trying to make the, the best of the situation as we can. But everything is not what it should be. It's not what it would be to just everyone else. It's not a, just an effortless, um, you don't really think about it just in the moment kind of thing. You, you just always have to plan. And that brings a lot of grief. The grief, hmm. the life that I did and the grief that the life that I lost and all the potential. Um, and I've, it's, I know a lot of, some people find acceptance. I've never been good at finding acceptance. Um, and it never really feels even after two years. I know a lot of people have been ill a lot longer than I have. Um, but to time and it's still as painful and as raw, I think today as it's ever been. Um, mm. And I feel like, for me personally, it um, it's twenty four seven. They're like cute type of grief, like I was mentioning. But it's it's that more when I wake up in the morning and you and you're sort of in that state of between sleep. Um, there's a moment I felt find in every day where I sort of come to um, consciousness, and the reality of my life sort of settles upon me. And the fact that I've got to be again for another day, and it's like picking up a backpack full of rocks every day, and you've got, to... and it always seems to get heavier. 
Um, it never gets, seems to get mm. any lighter. It seems to be just every day. Some days I just, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I, I, I'm like, I don't have the strength today. Put that backpack of rocks mm. on and go. And, and there is genuine sorrow at that. It's not just like annoyance. It, it's literal sorrow. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't. Mm. I've done it too much. Um, and I'm not sure if you any if you ever get really used to that, you know. Um, maybe you mm. do. Maybe that comes eventually. I think that's probably different for every person. Um, and I obviously try. We I think we all try to get over the person that we was and try to find the new person that we are, and just be okay with that. But I find that very extremely hard, and the the grief is um yeah it's, it's it's overwhelming at times and i've i've struggled with it greatly um mm. but it's it's something that i feel um it's very personal as well um because it, i think it really depends on also what your life was like before you got ill and i obviously no mm. one's life when they're affected by me is it, is better than anyone else's but i think i got ill at a time where i didn't really have anything i've not i've not done any of the things that a lot you're supposed to do in life you know you're Mm -hmm. supposed to get a career and have a bit of a job and you get married and uh, maybe have kids and i'm not saying it would be any better if i would have done all those things first and then got ill because i'd probably have had more to lose uh but sometimes Mm -hmm. the thought that something my one chance in this life because you only have one you know and th- those those might never happen um mm. yeah I, I i'm not sure how to deal with that um because i would love to have kids i would love to be a dad i i, I i've times with you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make a mark on the world uh i'm not gonna have a career or invent anything or you know make be famous or any of all all that stuff i would just be very happy with just a you know be be a dad uh be a husband um and i'm trying to do that as much as i you know that trying to be a get married and actually be able to do that but i it's not what it should be and that is in, no. in, incredibly sad um hmm I know I, I'm extremely lucky that I have a partner who's very, very, very supportive and very understanding, and always has been more than anyone else in my entire life. Uh, my fiance Sarah has mm. has been in my rock, and I those people who are don't have a partner or someone else in their life who supports them. My heart really does go out to them. Um. But that's the thing about I me. Mean, I don't think anyone, no matter what the situation is, there's no, there's no, there's no win situation with anyone. Whether you've got full support or you don't have full support, the illness is so awful, from my own experience, that I just don't think you can win. Um, hmm. I wish, I wish I had full support, better support than I do, and I wish um, more understanding from doctors and just friends and just people in general. But. Hmm. And um, yeah, for me personally, then I think grief is a a, a day to day companion. 
Um, mm. And I, yeah, I wish I, I wish I was, I wish I knew how to come to terms with it. But um, yeah, maybe that. I don't know. Yeah, there's not. It's interesting because, like, uh, when I've been speaking to different people, I've been asking like, how, how do you manage it? And I was thinking about this earlier today because I was like, I was thinking about it for myself because I've not actually answered that question for myself. Like, no. how do I how do I manage this grief? Like, I've been asking other people that, and I thought I've not actually kind of like, and I I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like is is the answer like for me? I, um, I think I think for me, I just have to like live each day at a time and not not look at the bigger picture because i think when you start to look at the bigger picture it is like overwhelming isn't it and, oh yeah um, definitely and i think is, is the ways for you that you kind of psychologically or, or manage it for yourself or is it is that a case of just kind of like well distancing i think there, yeah I, I think there's definitely things that have helped there's nothing i've ever found that you know things of grief well for me personally my fiance and the love mm. uh, has really helped, which, you know, we obviously can't all have that. But having a therapist that um, is very understanding and um, there's not much she can do from her actual no. professional point of view. <laughs> but for me, why it really works is because even with a, a very supportive fiancé, there is a limit to how much I can put up on her without it actually yeah. starting to affect because she is very, she mm. listens, and uh, but I can see it really hurting her, and she hurts how much I'm hurting. So I can't really fully unload all the time, and that wouldn't be 100% fair for me. So having mm. that I've built up a really good rapport with, um, and who literally will just allow me to load, and she's not going to be affected by that. And just getting it, just talking about it, and just getting it off my chest, actually is mm. probably the only thing that actually helps really um mm. so and i think there's obviously different types there, there is a, a controversial thing but there is things like cbt which i think um some people claim really helps it's never helped me at all mm. um but there is, is it abt which is um is basically a, it's it's some sort of initials like that but it's more about coming to terms with trauma mm. um which probably could help. Um, but apart from that, now there's not that much in life that really helps other than just trying to focus, I think, on the the small positive uh, that we all have. And like you said, just trying to take it day to day. Mm. Because I really do shy away from looking at the big picture, looking at like what what happens yeah. if I'm not if I'm not better in 10 years. Like how how much more ill am I going to be how much more function mm. would I have lost? And I think you just partly you just have to run away from that, and and I think to 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 survive, or at least that's that's how I've done it, you know. Mm. Um, I know it's probably yeah. not healthy to do that. Yeah, but I just think you you kind of have to sometimes. I think you have to just be like I'm concentrating on now. I'm not concentrating on tomorrow. I'm just concentrating on mm. now. Um, hmm. but I wish, yeah, I wish I had a more concrete answer to what how to cope with that. But no one's ever taught me, and I don't know if there is anyone out there teaching anyone. No. But, um, 
uh, yeah, my, my recommendation would be find a, actually find someone to talk to, whether that is actually professionally yeah. or just if you can find someone who is willing to do that without you burdening them with grief and too much because yeah. destroy them in the process of helping yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. Um, and I appreciate you. And I, like, I, I think I'm, I'm, I don't know if I say I've learned a lot through this process of, sp- of speaking to various different people. I have. I've learned about different like ways that chronic illness affects people and how yeah. they process it. Um, but I don't think there are, I don't think there are any like easy answers. Um, no, but I think talking about it, I think talking about it really does help. Um, and I think being part of a community of other people that understand really helps as well. Um, no, yeah, I definitely. That's, that's been I, I feel like Twitter has been, yeah, I yeah. feel like Twitter has been very beneficial to me, uh, mm. finding people who I can relate to and actually will understand and. I've learned more the most about my actual condition through Twitter, actually, um, mm-hmm. than through doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah, those two I think are important: community and understanding, and also just not keeping it inside because I think it festers, and I think it that will burn you up from the inside if you don't if you don't find a way to at least try to get a lot of that out. Mm. Um, mm. But unfortunately, that's it's not always possible to find therapists or or um, find decent ones. So you you really do have to, I think, try a few on for size. Yeah. Uh, I was very lucky Definitely. that the first one I tried was a very lovely woman who were, I've been talking to for like over a year and a half now. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think therapy helps at different stages as well, like of of illnesses oh, and. Like uh, yeah, I I had somebody for about a year and a half, and it was helpful for the time, and it it just got to the point that I was like, well, I, I'm not sure kind of how this is helping me anymore, um, and I think I was at a point that I'd, I, I I'd almost like talked myself out, in in a sense that like I I thought I don't know what else I've got to say because it it is no. it is just a case of like having to live with this now, um, so yeah, but I. I think I think some people really benefit from it, like on an ongoing basis, and I'm I'm glad that you've got that and that that helps. Um, yeah, I think I think yeah. uh, therapy is there's no right time. I think it, like you said, it's an individual. Some people can just do four weeks, and that's enough to get their grief out. Mm-hmm. And then, then other people require a more stable, you know, every week for for almost forever, almost if that's mm-hmm. what helps you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I am coming probably up to the end of this soon. We've not we've sort of semi-talked about either extending the time between sessions or, um, you know, because uh, a lot of, uh, last two years have been rough, not just with my health, there's also been a lot of other things that I've also talked to her about. Um, mm. But also, like, you know, family loss and uh, other things that, um, you know, so it really does depend on your situation. But I would, I would, I would, if you were someone who's, suddenly become ill with a chronic illness especially um i would at least try a therapist Hmm. um they're not what they all they see appear to be on tv and in in films and stuff Hmm. it's not all sitting on a couch and all that they've from my own experience they're very laid back uh people which will just help you carry your burden a little bit yeah um and I've, I'm hoping to speak to you probably later in the year 
not no probably next year <laughs> it's getting on in the it's year it's getting on um uh, somebody contacted me uh, uh they're actually looking at putting a database together of people of therapists that are have an understanding of me and uh and yeah i think so um and um she's just in the process of that at the minute so i don't know if i can say any more than that but um i think that'll be a really really helpful resource um going forwards for people because it, like you say when looking for somebody a counselor or a therapist yeah. you've got no idea like what their perception is or what their understanding no, of, yeah. of, of, it, of it, particularly me a bit of chronic illness but of me and the the real thing around post-exertional malaise um and having somebody that's got an understanding of that and and just gets it is like massively important um because i think if if they don't get it then you're sort of always fighting a battle um and and risk getting sort of the whole gaslighting experience and stuff like that so so i think that's going to be really helpful yeah i think Um, it really also depends on whether they're um a private uh so or an entity or they're related to the nhs um or yeah. on you know because I, I feel like nhs you know uh as great as it is i think they're more likely to gaslight you and i think they're more likely to follow so-called nhs guidelines which i don't think are great in this country despite the nice guidelines mm. um because i'm not sure my therapist did know much about me but i don't think that ever was a barrier for me personally uh mm. Because she's gone on record and actually sent my doc, my GP, a letter saying that in her opinion, any sort of um, sadness or grief or mental illness or whatever you want to call it that I have experienced is a is a coincident is a um, a symptom of my physical illness. After speaking to me for almost two years, that is her clinical opinion, mm. like, not the other way around. And I, that was actually really mm. helpful for her to send that to my GP because. Yeah. She's a professional, and her opinion mattered a lot more than mine. As much as I yeah. can say it to him, uh, I would say that because I'm, you know, I'm whatever you want to. They want to label me as neurotic or whatever. Um, so she was. It was. It was yeah, it was extremely helpful. Um, mm. But I would. I would get one who was at least empathetic towards chronic illness. And uh, mm. I hate to say, it, I feel like yeah. a, a female psychologists are probably better at a more, um, in my own experience less judgmental in that um obviously that mm. i don't want to paint everyone with the same brush but you, you really do have to find someone who fits because even if they're a nice they're a, they're a nice person uh they might not fit um yeah. you have to be able to open up I and mean, if you can't if you can't do that you, you can't get the benefits yeah definitely um no it's been a really interesting discussion like thanks for your time was there anything else that you kind of wanted to add around that topic anything that was kind of on your mind um no i mean just i feel like all of us have to find some sort of solace in people outside of ourselves whether that's community or through professional help um don't Mm. don't isolate yourself i know we're all isolated from the from the world quite physically but you have to reach out and you have to find people who understand if that, fortunately that often isn't our own families and our own friends. Um, there is people out there who do understand and there is people out there who will support you as best as they can. And I think that's very important. Um, mm. And grief is a process. 
and sometimes you just have to get as much support while you go through that process hmm. um but yeah that's that's my own yeah, personal thanks. yeah your pl- uh, my pleasure thanks for your time it's been it's been good to talk and um yeah, yeah th- thanks a lot <laughs> <laughs>